I hope you can hear me for episode two of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew. Schwinn's here with us. Schwinn, you want to say hi? Hello. Okay, great. And then we have our first guest, and it's a really, really special guest. I, I can't believe we booked him because he's really busy all the time. Jonathan Schulman of Posting and Toasting, a.k.a. Stingy, a.k.a. Stink. Stink, welcome to the show. Thank you. I expect my day rate any moment now. Oh, you'll get it. I'll just Venmo it to you. Um, what were you asking for? Just like a beer? Excuse you? I'm just giving you a beer, right? That's your day rate. $420,069. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just put that in the <laughs> IOU, and we'll just send that to uh, SB Nation to uh, cover the cost of that. So just uh, talk to them. I think they'll, I think they got you covered. All right, we're square. Yeah. All right, great. So t- on today's episode, we're just going to talk about a bunch of things. One of them is going to be the Sam vaccine story on... So you write for The Athletic? Yeah, The Athletic. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, yeah. So he wrote something that we're going to discuss because it was absolutely bonkers in a bad way. Then um, we're going to talk about Summer League and basically because like I don't care for it. And I think Stink's going to tell us why Summer League's important or Schwinn's going to tell us. I don't know. We're just going to have a discussion on Summer League. Then Schwinn's going to do a take... That's going to be fun. And then we're going to answer your Twitter questions, all like five of them that we got today. So let's start off with uh, Sam. Was it, what's his actual name? Vessanine? I can't pronounce Vassini. I'm pretty Vassini. sure it's Vassini. Okay. So Sam Vassini wrote an article for the... I think it's vasectomy, actually. Vasectomy? Okay. So <laughs> Sam Vasectomy <laughs> wrote an article, um, I don't know, Tuesday? Monday? I think it was Tuesday. Like, he, he's a big... I don't see the all right, whatever. He's like the big draft guy for them. Um, that's his main thing. But like, I guess you know, apparently, even though you have time to scout every college player and every high school player and have extremely polarizing thoughts about them, he also has time to analyze the uh, economics of the NBA and what each team's free agent acquisitions mean. Yeah, he's um. He's really doing a lot of work for the uh, Athletic. We can do all of that while uh, still getting out those hot takes. So he more or less was complaining. Not complaining. He was just more like the Knicks didn't do a good job this summer because they were overpaying for role players and they um, don't have good young players and they should have went after Russell Westbrook. Did that cover that? Is that pretty much the uh, too long didn't read on that? Well, he also, just really important though, is you know that he knows a lot about economics because in one paragraph he used the term opportunity cost four times. Oh, so opportunity cost. Clearly he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, so let's get into this because I thought it was just kind of this kind of like this insane take that's just not insane, but like it's insane, but like everyone's been recycling it in some sort of fashion about the next offseason, about how they failed and they just kind of were like panicking. Because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving didn't sign with them, and you remember that you remember that little Wayne song, "Let the Beat Build." Yeah, that was a great song. Yeah, like that's what this column was. It was like it kept building because you were like, "Wow, this is fucking stupid." Wow, that's even stupider. And then like his conclusion was the dumbest. So it was it was pretty impressive, and it made me think of that song. Yeah. So I. It's just kind of frustrating when we just like kind of look at a lot of these like takes for the offseason because I didn't think the Knicks were panicking because they didn't sign Durant. I thought it was just they just moved swiftly on 
plan B because they've been linked to Julius Randle for a while now. And that's what I kind of thought they were doing. And then they always talked about if they weren't signing a big free agent, they were doing cost controlled, um, low year um, contracts. And for the most part, that's what they were. Like no one's really um, on for a lot of years. Everyone's basically like year and team option. Sure, they're overpaid, but that's kind of what happens when you pay for a short amount of time. You get paid more. That's usually how it works. Yeah, so, when, when your team wins 17 games, like, yeah, if you don't get stars, you're going to have to overpay some role guys to come play for you for a year. Um, I think that's kind of just obvious. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe not to some people. But, um, yeah, if you, win 17, if, you, if you win 17 games and you don't land star free agents, generally speaking, nobody's taking a discount to come play for you. Definitely not in a one-year deal. Yeah, so what's think? Do you have anything to say? Anything to add? Um, well, I mean, I don't know. Sam Vecini just, I, I felt like he contradicted himself a little bit, like straight away, where he's saying, like, uh, they, they didn't do any damage, but they were impatient and they scrambled. And it's like, all right, straight away, you're, you're just sort of word salading at me. And I, I just, I don't know. Personally, I guess maybe I'm just being too optimistic, but I look at it as just kind of like, all right, they didn't get the big guys, so they quickly pivoted. That seems, you know, rational. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, you look at like uh, Taj Gibson, he's going to get catch a lot of flack. But, you know, Taj Gibson is either he or Bobby Portis is replacing Lance Thomas. Uh, I, I don't see how that's not a gigantic upgrade. Yeah, and, and then, uh, Gibson was know, also a guy that Cat like publicly, you know, was pretty positive about, uh, just like his influence, I guess. So you know, whatever. And I that think means. that influence on young players is paramount. I mean, you can't have all these kids that really don't know what they're doing go out there and like, you know, maybe you know, sink or swim, but like. Uh, a vet can impart good wisdom on you day in and day out. And, you know, I'm not expecting Taj Gibson to come in here and, and play 25 minutes a night or anything like that. I mean, Lance, I think, uh, averaged <laughs> like 17, you know, and I don't think he'll even get that many, but it felt a lot longer than 17. Oh, I mean, each, each moment that Lance Thomas is on the floor is hell. So, <laughs> You know, I, I think it's just a huge, this is a huge upgrade. Then the, the, you got Peyton or, would you rather have Alfred Peyton or Emmanuel Moutier? Uh, Peyton. Yeah, I mean. I mean, it's just like, these are like obvious, plain as, plain as day, reasonable upgrades on each and every player on the team, practically. Yeah, uh, like the, the one you could maybe quibble about is what Portis versus... Cornette, shout out to at Bootum. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. It's look, I but even that, it's like, is Luke Cornette like, is that fucking exchange? Is that gonna cost you like anything? Really? I, I like Cornette, but it's like, what is Cornette? Is maybe it's gonna cost you RPM wins. That's what it's really gonna cost you. Yeah, I, that's cool. Um, and I just to go back to like, like, I don't. How can you be? I, I would understand if they if what they did got labeled as scrambling, if like 
Like, what would be a, a scramble type of move, right? Isn't a scramble type of move to just give Terry Rozier three or sixty million guaranteed, or like, I don't know. I mean, I can't think. There are so many contracts that went out immediately that it was, it's hard to keep track. But like, that to me is the kind of pan or like you know classic Nick stuff of oh wow we didn't get a, a big guy so let's get out here and just start throwing maxes around and throwing twenty million dollar year contracts around at a bunch of players like they didn't do that. Um, all the guys that they signed right, like basically in the hours right after free agency opened, were what Randall, Gibson, and Portis, and all three of those guys were dudes that they had met. They because they were in Los Angeles. Perry and Mills were in Los Angeles once when free agency started. Um, like they were meeting with those guys, so clearly, like they that was a plan. I, I think they probably knew in advance. Like, look, we're probably not going to get Durant or or Kyrie or Kawhi. So they had already pivoted. Um, Bullock was another guy they met out there. Uh, Ellington, I, I don't think they met him out there or anything. Peyton, obviously, Perry knows from whenever. Uh, and then Morris, who they ended up you know, signing at the end, like he was somebody that they were connected to a bunch leading up to free agency. So, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't, I don't know how, and if, if like if you just look at the contract structures you don't do that if you're scrambling like you don't get everybody lined up on the exact type of deal that you want to keep yourself flexible like i, I, mean, I don't it's crazy a quick uh, a, a, an example of scrambling to me was uh thomas bryant signing day one with the wizards for eight million a year <laughs> uh, excuse you for three years uh, yeah, it's guaranteed, right? For three years. Yeah. Like, if it was one year, you'd be like, okay, cool. Like, Fine, yeah. Whatever. You get Thomas Bryant. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to read some of uh, Vaccine's uh, content here because it's another thing that he hit on, which was just bananas to me. Not bananas, but, like, it's such a typical, like, NBA Twitter internet sort of take with the whole, you know, take bad people for picks. So just how the article goes, it goes, because I'm really great at reading out loud, so just bear with me. Had they waited... Do you want me to read it for you? Oh, if you, I mean, that'd be wonderful. I, I don't you know, know what you're going to read. Why don't you just... Okay, I'll just read it then. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, uh, thanks, Deji. All right. Had they waited, it would have been much easier to envision them in the mix for deals for long-term assets with teams that needed to clear cap space in order to finalize other moves. For instance, the Knicks easily could have been a team that took Andre Iguodala off the hands of the Warriors with a first-round pick added. They could have... They could have called Miami and done the Mo Harkless deal that saw them to get sent to Los Angeles with the corresponding first-round pick. Would the Magic have been willing to trade Timothy Moskov instead of stretching him, incurring a $5 million debt? Whatever about that. I'm going to skip that. And could they have uh, a couple of assets? So hold on. Here's another thing. Could they have got a couple of assets for Josh Jackson, like the Memphis deal? So, like, I, I sit there and I'm like, I don't want Josh Jackson. I don't even care for, like, the picks that you get. Um, the... Uh, Blazers had to take on Hassan Whiteside, which I don't want Whiteside anywhere near the team. And then it would all like the Warriors just chose the Grizzlies. I, I think what people kind of forget when these sort of deals were like, oh, why didn't they just take on a player for a pick? Like only one team can do that. And it's more or less, you know, there's not much the Knicks could have done other than like what, say they wanted two second round picks instead of a first. Like the, it, the whole thing is just kind of so- – Makes sense. That Gasol he, thing, I don't, I don't buy that for a sec. Or uh, sorry, Iguodala thing, I don't buy because I feel like when you look at the the Grizzlies trying to move Gasol at the deadline last year, you know they weren't going to send him to the Knicks. Gasol, that is, they were trying to send him to a, a contender, 
And the idea that uh, Gasol is going to go to, you know, some lowly team uh, just doesn't make sense to me. And, and I feel like they probably reached out to the, to the Warriors and they had the construction of like, oh, well, well, who's gettable on your team to give you Gasol? And like Iguodala must have come up because that didn't just happen all of a sudden. And then the Warriors were like, hmm, nowhere to go. Let's call the Knicks. That's the, that's the only option. It, the, the basic structure of that deal had to be in some way in place, and that's why it was a good outlet for for both teams. Well, I I think it's like I mean I think it's pretty simple. Like again, these are complex moves that had like you're planning. I think people really buy into this bullshit. Like even Simmons was talking about his pod the other day. Like maybe not the other day. It was like last week or something. Where he was acting like it was with Russillo, and they were acting like free agency opened, and all of a sudden the Warriors were like, they just figured out on the fly, like, okay, let's do a sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell, and now we got to trade Iguodala. And it's like, that's not how this shit happened, man. Like, you think the Warriors didn't know way in advance that they knew fucking three months ago that Durant wasn't coming back, right? They've been planning for this for a while. They probably caught wind, you know maybe a week or two ago that he was leaning towards Brooklyn or something, or like maybe they just planned for that contingency and they were like, okay, well men, you'd reach out to D'Angelo Russell's agent. Like, Hey, like if we can work out a sign and trade, would you be down to come here? You know? And then, and then obviously their next move is okay, but we need to clear space to make this happen. Who like, then you start canvassing teams on the league. And I know that after the Porzingis trade, like I know the Knicks only asked like eight or nine teams. And clearly the only way to canvass the league properly is to approach all of their 29 teams. Um, So maybe the Warriors did that leading up to this uh, free agency. It's like, Hey, you can't, the Knicks are, were in play at least in their own head or whatever. They probably at least wanted to give themselves the option to sign two max players. So if you call up the Knicks and you're like, Hey, um, do you, do you want to, like, can we count on you to dump this contract? Like, they can't say, they can't commit to that, right? They can't commit to that. A team like Memphis can commit to that because Memphis knew going into free agency, they weren't doing anything. Like, they weren't, they, they, they were all, they, they're not getting a free agent. Uh, so they were like, yeah, sure, we can take that and you're going to give us this pick. And like, okay, whatever. Let's just say the Knicks could have done that deal. Fine. Whatever. The Knicks could have done that deal. They should have gotten a pick. Like, this guy listed three fucking deals and one hypothetical deal that didn't actually happen. Like, and that's it. That, that is actually the entire amount of deals in this entire free agency of dumping contracts for picks. That's it. There were three instances of it. So, really, what you're saying is the Knicks, out of 20, 30 teams in the NBA, they should have at least gotten one of these deals. Like, what are we killing them for here exactly? It, that's, I mean, why, why the fuck didn't Atlanta do this? Why, why didn't, why didn't, why did Phoenix not do this? Why did Phoenix not do this and instead decided to use their cap space on Ricky Rubio? Uh, like, I mean, I can go on and on. There are plenty of teams that have cap space that chose not to go this way. Um, and, you know, like maybe we should also start considering Paul George got traded for five first round picks and two pick swaps. Uh, Anthony Davis got traded for three first round picks, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and two pick swaps. Um, like maybe the league is kind of getting back to a point where I don't want to say picks and assets aren't valuable. I always think they're valuable, but you know, I I think the value of those assets has become 
increasingly exaggerated by like fucking NBA Twitter, which loves any move that pushes out the timeline like two or three years and is totally risk averse and has some theoretically awesome upside because picks can turn into anything. Um, like you, I, I, I don't prescribe to that idea that that's how it works. Um, I think the Knicks can probably still at least pull multiple seconds in trade for some of the guys that they signed. So I just don't see any of these, like even the Mohokos one. So that happened. Like, when did that trade even go down? The white side, the white side deal. Um, a couple days after, like a lot of the main guys were signed. So, so it wasn't on July. It wasn't on June thirtieth or July first, right? No, I don't think. So. I think it was like a couple days, I, I, something like that. But that the point of the article is just basically because they signed these guys, you know, immediately they couldn't do the Mohawk was for a some white side trade, basically. And yeah, like, I just find that insane to me because, like, why do you want to take back? Why the fuck side? are we? Think, why the fuck is Pat Riley going to trade Harkless? Why is he going to salary dump Harkless to a team in conference when he has multiple teams in the West that he can salary dump, dump him to? And he's and Pat fucking Riley is going to salary dump him to the Knicks. Like, can we please let's can we please use our brain? Yeah, we, are we allowed to do that? Pat well, Riley's not salary dumping anybody to the Knicks for a pick. That that's never happening in my in this lifetime or his next fifteen fucking lifetimes. It's just not going to happen. Well, speaking of using uh, your head, um, this player doesn't use his head much, and that's Russell Westbrook. And that was one of the points in the article too that um, that the was made. Amazing conclusion. Yeah. So it was more more or less just. I'm going to summarize the first part. It was basically because they signed these guys early, they were out of. Um, contention to trade for players later in the offseason because you can't trade newly signed free agents until December 15th. So then the article goes, then that means the Knicks can't get into the mix for a star player who hit the trade market late in the offseason. Particularly, this affected the pursuit, the potential pursuit of Russell Westbrook as the Thunder surprisingly looked to enter a new era. So we're talking about potential pursuit for a player I know for me personally who's god awful. Like, I, I don't like Russell Westbrook, he's not a good basketball player. And the idea of having him on the roster, I think now for what he has four years or three years of like of like almost like forty million per year left, and he's like declining athletically every moment. So the idea of having him on the Knicks just for the idea of a glitzy star as a backup, like that to me, that's typical Knicks if they actually traded legitimate assets to get Russell Westbrook, what, even, what or even or even just taking him on as a contract with like so, tons of picks. Like it doesn't can, make sense to me. Can I just read the passage real quick? Sure, I, I thought I did, but you can you can read it as well. It's just... It, I want to read it. Okay, you read okay, it. Okay, let's see if you read it. Nah, I'm not going to read it. Okay, don't read it. But it's just like, it. none of it even makes sense. Like, he, he goes through this package, and he says, oh, well, it still wouldn't have been enough to make the deal. And there was no viable way to do it until December. Like, like so he's mad that they didn't trade, that they used cap space to not, like, so they, they couldn't get Russell then, or get Westbrook then. And who wouldn't this, have dealt with them anyway? Like uh, he was working with, uh, I'm forgetting the guy's name, Presti right now. Yeah. Uh, but they worked together to find a deal that they would both agree with. And we uh, found out that like him and so, Harden wanted to play together, right? Uh, I mean, I think they, they at least agreed to it. They wanted to play together more than Westbrook wanted to play for the Thunder. And Paul wanted to play with the Rockets. Well, do you think it was James Harden just didn't want to play with Chris Paul? I think it's just more of like, hey, at least they played with Russ. Like, he's not Chris Paul, which is kind of, that's kind of fair. He's not Chris Paul. So, 
No, and like I just, I think it's it's crazy to bitch and moan and whine, spend fucking God knows how many characters, five fucking paragraphs about how the Knicks, the the opportunity cost and fucking flexibility and all these other bullshit terms he wants to throw around to make himself sound very knowledgeable about and intelligent. Like, so you're advocating all of this, like, you know, opera, like, you, know, you can't, you got to value your opportunity costs and flexibility and blah, blah, blah. And then you're fucking mad that they didn't trade for four years. I, God knows. I think it's like, what is it? Like, it's like 38, 41, 44, 47. Something I'm pretty like sure that, yeah. those are the hits. Uh, like that basically use. So if you do that deal, you're sinking about at least moving forward long term. That's at least like a third of the cap every year, if not more. Okay, so you're sinking a third of the cap every year, limiting your flexibility at a time where all of your young players are still on rookie contracts. Okay, all of them are. Why would you do like? Why would you sacrifice so much of your cap space? For, like, I can understand, I can at least wrap my head around the argument that they didn't need to sign this many guys to one year. Like, they could they could have signed five guys and kept some of the space open. Okay, cool, whatever. I get that. Not sure I totally agree, but I get it, and that's a reasonable stance. Like, your stance cannot be that they don't value opportunity costs and all this stuff, and then also kill them for not trading for Russell Westbrook. Because that is the dumbest opportunity cost to take. To trade anything of actual value for a team that has is won 17 games— to get Russell Westbrook in his decline phase, like, what are we talking about here? How so? Just uh, for for a little reference, uh, so Westbrook is gonna is has a player option for forty seven million in the twenty two twenty three season. Yeah, he's taking that. Yeah, and the the only guy that that the Knicks, I mean, obviously they'll make different signings. Probably Mitch will be signed, et cetera. As it, as it stands right now, the only guy under contract that year would be Barrett. So, what the, like the opportunity cost is to lose all, pretty much all of your flexibility. That's foolish. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's just a horrible argument, and I, I don't know. This like just the idea of. I mean, I don't think Russell Westbrook is terrible, as Doug put it. No, um. he's he's <laughs> fine. I mean. But it, it's Dude, sort of sucks. manufacturing so uh, a false timeline. Yeah. So, like, the Knicks are not ready to compete. They won 17 games last year. And what, they're going to just turn around and win 66? Like, what are you talking about? I mean, even if you get – let's say, like, you get Russ. I'm going to be generous and say, like, in the East, Russ just, like, he, he can get you to, like, you know, fucking like, – 40. An eight seed. Yeah, even if he gets you to an 8 seed this year. Okay, cool. You're in an 8 seed. Um, like, doubt it by the way yeah but like it, he's still in decline like he's still a declining player and you're still on the hook for him for three like the Knicks are just not like I think Houston is one of the few teams where rolling the dice on Russ made sense right because it's like you're already all in like you're already all in so you know if you think Paul if, if Harden hates Paul and he's telling you like you gotta get rid of this guy we now know that nobody in the league wants to touch Paul because OKC couldn't give him away after they made this deal. Uh, and just to unload him for Russell Westbrook, who makes more money with an extra year, uh, they had to give up two firsts and two pick swaps, right? Like, I, I just, it's just mind-boggling to me that, like, that you would, if OKC could extract that price from Houston, 
you are saying that the Knicks should have been willing to beat that price. And you can say that, oh, well, if they just taken him into space, maybe they don't have to give up as many picks. I don't I don't buy that because I think, like you said, he's working with Presti. OKC, you know, whatever you want to say about them, they usually do right by their guys when they trade them. I don't think they treat them like crap. Um, they clearly were not going to do that with Russ. Uh, they were only going to send him to a place where I think where he felt comfortable and where he at least thinks he can win, uh, has a shot to win. Like I, I just I have a hard time believing they would have he would have been like, oh yeah, New York. Like let me go teach R.J. Barrett and and Mitchell Robinson and all these guys. Like why would he want to do that? That's but not- he loves fashion. It's true. That's true. That's you point. can only get fashion in New York. But I thought Boy. markets don't matter. But Houston is not going to be the most fashionable team. Come on, man. Well, I think this is a perfect segue into, I guess, talking about Summer League a bit. Um, I didn't watch much of it, and I don't really care for it. I don't think you can really draw too much from performance in Summer League because the competition is just so like erratic and not good. But you guys want to try to change my mind at all on this, or... Or are you kind of with me along with that? Uh, I'll let What's the question? Answer. Does summer league matter? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it matters. Uh, I mean, does it matter? Like, is that going to make your career? No, of course not. I mean, well, look, if you're out there and you can't really dominate summer league, then that's a legitimate red flag, be it on your personality. Like, are you just somebody that doesn't give a damn? You kind of ought to give a damn. Like, that was actually something with Mitchell uh, Robinson that I didn't really like. He just kind of was like, this is so funny. I'm really good. You guys suck. And that's, like, that's great because he can just dominate without really trying. But I also like to see guys give a damn. And I think, like, if we've learned anything from the signings and the the draft, uh, Perry is after guys that really fucking give a damn and are going to just go full bore at all times. So, I mean, is Summer League like an end-all, be-all? No. Who cares, really? Uh, But you want to be able to see your guys really go out and compete and make it look easy. And some of them did, some of them didn't. Um, And in some ways, uh, players, you know, fluctuated on both sides of that, uh, thinking pretty specifically of Barrett. But, you know, it doesn't matter. But it's interesting. Um, yeah, I just think that, like, <clears throat> when you evaluate it, I, I, you kind of you have to first of all understand that a lot of times teams, especially with second year guys and stuff, um, I don't think the Knicks necessarily did this too much, but I, I know that I've, I've seen before where teams will put in a second year guy and they'll give him something specific to do. Like mm. maybe you get a shooting guard and you're like, yeah, well you're going to run point because we want to see what we want to like, you know, give you some reps and see what you can do running an offense. So like, you got to understand what is being asked of certain players at times. Um, on top of that, these guys have not practiced together. And I know that's like, people want to act like that doesn't matter, but it definitely matters. Um, especially when you're kind of melding in dudes that, Theoretically, or not even theoretically, but have not totally complementary skill sets. Maybe they have, they overlap in certain areas and operate in some of the same positions on the floor. So that's something to consider. Um, 
And then, like, I mean, there's stuff. I think with Barrett, you could really tell. I know people were, like, freaking out the first two games. And I, I wasn't that. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say, like, I had zero concern. But watching it, he just seemed like he hadn't played in a while and was kind of pressing to make an impact. And I, that stretch he had at the end of the third game where he was just kind of like, they basically just had him run point kind of got him into a better rhythm and uh I, I just thought he looked a lot more fluid and he's not an explosive guy no matter what but he definitely looked quicker by the fourth and fifth games um and i i don't know i just i think that he he's been on like doing all kinds of press stuff for a while i don't think he's really been like in the gym like crazy as much as you normally is um and i mean usually with zion too the guy was like 15 pounds overweight a lot of these top guys, like, they go on these big press tours and shit like that, and they're not showing up to summer league in the ideal condition, and that affects guys in different ways. Uh, in Zion's case, he had a sore knee after 10 minutes and just sat the rest of the time. Uh, in RJ's case, he didn't get hurt, but he was definitely rusty as hell, um, and it took him a while to kind of get back in the flow of things. So, I don't know. What I, from, I guess the best way to think about summer league, though, is don't worry so much about percentages and you know, all that shit, like just watch how guys are playing. And it's, if it's the most, it's probably the only time where I think like 95% of your thoughts should just come from actually watching guys play. And if you're just looking at like stats, you're, you're totally missing the point and you're, you're, you're going to make mistakes. Like I saw, I think Tybal on uh, the Sixers, he shot really well from three. And people are like going crazy about it. And it's like, look, man, I like Dybul, but look at his college sample of three-point shooting. If you think because he had five nice games in summer league, that means he can now shoot the three at a high clip, like you're wrong. That's not how that works. That's not the that's not like do I think Iggy Brzdakis is now a 50% three-point shooter? Yes. I do. I do. Um, but no, like I, I thought he was a good shooter. I thought he was a, a good pick should have gone higher even before the draft. Like, when we drafted him, I felt really good about that. But just because, like, him shooting 50% from three doesn't fundamentally change how I feel about him. Like, um, it's it's very hard for somebody to to fundamentally change my view on them based on summer league. Mitch last year probably was one of the few. And even then, I was like, well, look, his ceiling is crazy high, but he looks raw as hell. And he still is raw as hell. Um, mm. So I wasn't wrong about that, but... I think I just obviously underestimated how fast he could kind of his learning curve was and how fast he'd pick things up. So, uh, I mean, yeah, a, a pretty classic example is, uh, you know, Nate Robinson was like summer league MVP or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Selby was another like, you know, top scorer three years in a row in summer league. Like what happened to those guys? They, they dominated summer league. I, which is only to say, like, I agree. Like you look at what they're just, doing as individuals and like that's a, that's about as deep as it gets you do you remember back in the day when the knicks had uh demetrius nichols and yeah. and he like he just like he went off he went off and i just remember like back in whatever mid-2000s uh knicks forum i was on like people were going crazy like oh man isaiah found a he found a first round pick value uh, an undrafted guy, and then like first of all, the Knicks didn't even sign Demetrius Nichols, so like people were losing it. 
but I don't know if Demetrius Nichols ever even played an NBA minute. So, uh, yeah, like this happened, that happened with that other guy too, Von Wafer back in the day. I think he dropped like 40 in a summer league game, maybe even 50. And people were going crazy and like, you know, it's Von Wafer. He didn't end up doing anything. Do you guys want to hear the Las Vegas MVPs for uh, summer league? Yes. All right. So in 2006, it was Randy Foy. In 2007, <laughs> it was Nate Robinson. In 2008, it was Jared Bayless. 2009, it was Blake Griffin. 2010, it was Sean Wall. In 2012, it was co-MVPs, Josh Selby and Damian Lillard. 2013 was Jonas Valanciunas. 2014 was Glenn Rice Jr. 2015 was Kyle Anderson. 2016 was Tyus Jones. Then it was Lonzo Ball, Josh Harder, and then Brandon Clark. So, like, it can mean something, but it might not mean anything. It uh, probably doesn't, yeah. Yeah. That seems to be. I mean, I think that that the Selby Lillard one is kind of like perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Co-MVPs. Lillard is fucking incredible. And Selby is Josh Josh Selby. Wasn't he the guy that Mello got pissed that we didn't draft? Was. uh, I'm pretty sure that was a thing. Like he was like mad we didn't draft Josh Selby. Well, that's yeah. foolish. Uh, <laughs> also, I just want to point out that Demetrius Nichols uh, played for Syracuse, so automatically he stinks. <laughs> Has anyone good actually came out of Syracuse? No. Like I can't think of I can't no. think of any player whatsoever. Al- almost Derek Coleman. John Wallace. Kind of Sherman Douglas. <laughs> what about a uh, Raheem Christmas? Oh man. Negative. That was a name. Raheem yeah. Mark. Oh, Hakeem Work's a good one too. Is there any other uh, Syracuse guys? Um, what's who's Lawrence that? Lawrence Moten, man, he really made a, a difference, an impact player right there. And uh, Malachi Malachi Richardson. Yeah, yeah, he's a bum. Yeah, ball. that didn't work out. Was he on the Raptors nine oh five now? Did that, did, that, did Battle get drafted this year? Who? I don't think so. Tyus Battle. I don't know who that is. Yeah, he was. Yeah, a big you don't need to. There. Summer League MVP Tyus Battle. <laughs> oh man all right uh Schwinn, do you want to tell us your uh your hot take or i don't even know if it's actually a hot take but your take you just need to get off your chest really badly it's not even a, it's not a hot take really uh, all right just the take that you need to tell the world right now okay so uh after free agency uh obviously the knicks did not sign any stars <laughs> um no matter how much you love julius Randle, he's not a superstar uh which is fine. I think I, I've encountered very few Knicks fans that are like, have you this as a disaster? Maybe that's just my bubble of Knicks interactions I have on Twitter. But in general, it seems like most Knicks fans get what happened and are not too upset about this. Yeah, it's, it's really like it's like outside people who are just kind of laughing at it. Because I usually have to deal with it in public because a lot of people know. I know like, I'm a Knicks fan, so they kind of know. Like, oh, you didn't get Durant Kyrie, and it's like, I mean... I'm and you live in Boston. Thank goodness they didn't get those fucking morons. That's, that's kind of how I feel, too. And, and to t- tell them, tell the people where you live, Doug. Brookline, Massachusetts. Yeah. It's Boston. He lives in Boston. Brookline, Massachusetts. He lives in, he lives in Boston. I live in the town that Conan O'Brien and JFK grew up in. So, Boston. Okay, great. Uh, so... Yeah, like, I mean, and that's fine. So then the big thing became the whole thing after, like, you know, Kyrie and KD signed in Brooklyn was, you know, this is proof that culture matters and, 
fucking organizational structure matters and Sean Marks being the GM and all this, like ownership, all this stuff that matters. And, you know, just more proof that nobody wants to play for the Knicks. Uh, you know, no star wants to play for the Knicks. And I got to tell you, I don't know where this, where does that, how does that make any sense? Um, first of all, we have proof back in 2010. Let's go back in time. Let's go back. Amari Stoudemire, yeah, okay, fine. The Knicks overpaid to get him. But guess what? Once the Knicks got him, Carmelo Anthony, who at the time was considered a borderline superstar, I think a lot of people just considered him a superstar um, flat out, he forced his way to New York. He wanted to be a Knick. Uh, Chris Paul also wanted to be a Knick, but because the Knicks made the Carmelo Anthony trade, uh, they did not have any assets to get Chris Paul. Tyson Chandler then signed. He took less money than he got offered from Golden State to sign with the Knicks. Uh, and, you know, the interesting thing about those three guys, Carmelo, Stat, and Tyson Chandler, is, look, James Dolan is an asshole. I don't think anybody can deny that. Um, I don't think anybody would deny that. The thing is, it seems like a lot of the, like, most every Nick I can find that has played under him or has interacted with him seems like they have a pretty good image of Dolan in their head. Uh, you know, Carmelo loves him, has talked about it before Tyson you know was effusive in his praise of him thanking him for letting him use his private jet to go see his mom who was sick in his last year in New York uh stat apparently just he signed because of Dolan according to recent quotes stats his own he's special um but I like but you know obviously there's always like the Oakley thing oh well Oakley okay okay fine Oakley has a problem with Dolan he got thrown out of the garden. Everybody knows about that. Like, here's the thing. Not one other 90s Nick, not one, not a single one of them has backed him publicly, come to his defense, said anything. Like, none of them. None of them have said anything. You would think somebody would say something. You know, okay, fine. You want to say Larry Johnson and Starks and Houston, these guys, like, they, they kind of have roles in the organizations. So they wouldn't say anything. You just have a role in the organization. Ewing's not exactly shot. Like, he's not somebody that's going to hold his tongue or is scared to give an opinion um, if somebody asks him about it. So, I don't know. So, are, are we just... And so, like, okay, so if you don't get stars, that means nobody wants to play for you? Like, I mean, Marcus Morris turned down a contract with the Spurs to sign with the Knicks, right? And, oh, like, I was told that you know the Knicks gave him $14.8 million, the Spurs were only giving him ten, so that was about the money. But then we found out, you know, after taxes and all this stuff, he actually would have made more in Texas. So I, I don't know. What does that say? Uh, does it, does it matter? Like, do we really think Julius Randle couldn't have gotten more money somewhere else? More years, more mo- guaranteed money somewhere else? I would be surprised. In the summer that we just saw, I'd be very surprised if this was the most, I mean, he, what, he's getting like $42 million guaranteed? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, he definitely could have done better. Um, I don't know. The other guys, I'm sure they're overpaid. I don't know. I think, I, I think Alfred Payne probably could have gotten that same contract somewhere else. Um, like, obviously, playing time matters to him too. But I don't think it's crazy to think one year eight million, he could get that somewhere else. Yeah, uh, so I'm not saying the Knicks are the most desirable free agent destination, but I do think that like it's a little overboard to to say that because they didn't get KD and Kyrie, um, that means that you know nobody wants to play here. I think that's all. That's the other extreme. It's it's too far the other way. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not like again. I, I, obviously, the Knicks clearly, as we saw, were not the most desirable destination in the summer. But is that because of Dolan, or is that just because they won 17 games? And if you don't get stars to come, because they're like, well, who are we playing with? What, like, who is the guy? Who are the guys that we can depend on here? What's you know? their universal attractiveness rating? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, Do you have a formula they... for that? I, you know, I I don't, but I bet you I could come up with one. Do you think we should take like some anecdotal evidence and kind of just say that the percentage is actually like eighty percent is like that perfect, um, like UTI rating for uh? For UTI rating. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I have a friend. He got laid one time. <laughs> I was so proud of him, and I asked him, "What was your secret?" What was the secret? He said it's because he has James Dolan on his side. Oh wow! <laughs> was uh was his friend um, Steve Mills? Could be. Oh, you're not you're not gonna say who your friend is in this one? Okay, I see how it is. Still waiting for my Venmo to come through, baby. For who? For me? I'm not giving you that money. That's an SB Nation thing. I need my money, brother. And we know what we're gonna do. We're just gonna like cut you out of the uh, of the podcast. So there's gonna be like these blank spots when you're talking. Everyone's gonna be like, "What is happening?" And we'll just be like, "Hey, uh, since you didn't get paid, so he told us to cut him out." Mm. At least they'll hear me though. Who? Who's gonna hear you? No one's gonna hear you. No, they'll still hear me. Are you just gonna produce your own audio of like of what you're recording into the uh, into the internet and just you know just you talking? Yeah. What is this guy talking about, man? <laughs> all right um i do want to respond to us because i think a lot of people would say that the 17 losses is on james dolan and his inability to like hire the right people and do the right thing i think that would be the, like some sort of counter argument to what you're saying but i mean i i don't really understand i think it's just more of like a media thing because dolan doesn't really treat well i guess like they didn't treat the media well just doesn't care for the daily news at this point so people are kind of rallying against them. It's just mainly like media people who are like, hey, he treats the media like crap. So we're just going to pile on because this is like what we do. So it's almost like a, that's kind of how I see it for like these a lot of these takes. A lot of these takes are coming from media people. They're not necessarily coming from like fans or like fan people who produce content or anything like that. It's, it's mainly people who are outside on like different media places that, you know, that are more or less like blog things like Bleacher Report and The Ringer and Espionation and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess my question, <clears throat> and if anybody listened to this, can can point me to something. I, I just would like, like, who are the players that are not named Charles Oakley that have come out and and you know said Dolan is a, a bad owner, like he's not, he's not somebody that you want to play for, is not someone. I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess the other Tony player, Campbell. Who's that? Who? Tony Campbell. Tony Campbell. Is that like some made-up draft guy from like 2K that you do when you like auto-generate? No, he played for the Knicks in like mm, 92, 94. So like, yeah, so like before Dolan. Um, okay. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, so, I don't see your point. Uh, and like, I, I guess the argument then is that he doesn't. It would be. It would go back to what you said, right? Like he doesn't hire the right people, and guys know that now. And like, I don't know, man. I, I just. I think. 
I think this current front office is being held accountable for sins they did not commit. Um, you know, and they said going into free agency, look, if we don't like, you know, everything that came out was if they don't get stars. They're not going to, they're not going to go long-term on guys. They want to keep their flexibility and they, you know, they, that, that's not the, the plan is to avoid giving out long-term contracts to non-max players and keeping their young core and building that up. And it's like, they did exactly what they said they've been doing. Right. And it's like, okay, so they didn't get the main stars. Obviously that sucks, but they, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't really know what you want them to do. Um, if you can get two superstars, it doesn't matter what the rest of your team is. Like every GM in the NBA is going to take that shot. They're going to take that shot. And that to me is less important than what's your pivot and the pivot, although not perfect and not one that I think they executed flawlessly. It's also not one that should have many, if any long-term detrimental impact on the, on the future of the Knicks. So uh, yeah, I think that it's fine, and I I very skeptical of how much Dolan Dolan's influence impacts these matters. Yeah, um, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, Stink, do you have anything to add? Mm, just sign the checks, baby. We're good. All right. So, um, want to read off some uh, Twitter questions that we got about um, today when we started up our Twitter account. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I guess I followed it, but you had to tell me what it was. What'd you download? No, he followed us. I followed you on Twitter, but you had to tell me what it was. What was it? It, it was the at posting show because the P, the PT show was taken by someone named uh, Paul Thompson. And Paul Thompson, I want to double check because I think he did something like religious. Um, let's double check. Paul Thompson is a hoe. Hold on one second, guys. My internet's very slow, and everyone loves when people on podcasts are typing and searching. You want me to search it for you? No, I got him. It's Paul Thompson. He has one follower. His last tweet was on March 28, 2010. Um, It looks like he has the strongest left hook in talk radio, giving a voice to the liberal movement. So, yeah, he has a total of, I don't even see how many tweets he has, but yeah, so he took our handle, unfortunately, so just follow us at the So follow show. Paul Thompson at the Paul Thompson Show dot at Twitter. <laughs> okay, <laughs> give, him, give him some follows, that's fine. Um, so that works. Um, our first question that we got was from, was it was Rory? I can't find the question. Yeah, I have him. You have him? So, okay, pull that, yeah. pull that one up. It's from our friend, friend of the pod, Rory Brazil. Brazil? I don't know how to pronounce it. But right, it's we'll at Rory Brazil. Yeah. It's at B at Bball God's blog. Um so his question was why does Cantor suck so much? Rory, that's a that's a great question. This and podcast already running over. We can't answer that. Of course we can answer that. I mean Cantor sucks because he can't play defense. He clogs up the lane because he just wants to post up. He doesn't pass. He can't shoot. And he's a horrible teammate. That's okay. actually pretty pretty good. He's a horrible teammate when he's not playing. 
that's that's the reality. When he's that's playing, true. he's fine. He's fine. He's like, you know, he's they'll die for you feel on the court and all that stuff. But yeah, when he's not playing, he turns into a big diva, and we saw how that turned out, which sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows where the camera's facing? You know, like he kissed the the garden floor, right? And then just just today, he's like, oh, what did he He says something obnoxious about, like, I would give back my New York, my time in New York or something. Oh, my God. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But Hey, when everyone knows that, like, when you're entering the offseason, your plan A has to be, you know, getting a center who started for a 17-win team. Like, that's definitely what your plan A has to be. So... That's why Cantor's, you know, awful. The Celtics scrambled to get him, though. No, he was their plan A. No, he was their plan A. Yeah. Very well, well scrambled for that. Yeah. No, it's it's a very obviously they have done excellently over the last couple of years. Um, it's pretty amazing the roster they've built. So I know it's wonderful. They got Kemba on a max. They have um, Gordon Hayward on a max. They have twelve time Tatum. They have ninety percent Paul George. And, um, yeah, that's their roster. It's yeah. gonna be, it's gonna be a great team. Yeah. Definitely, a, uh, was it probably a seven seed and a first round exit? Might be in their future. Might be. All right. So the next question we have is from oh, great General Lucino Saber Junior. Uh, his question was more or less like, "What's the best nickname? The definitive best nickname for Frank?" And he posed it as. The most handsome prospect, Frank. Um, I know I'm more or less just anti. Uh, was it Frankie Smokes? That's like the worst nickname in the world. Like you can yeah. call him anything else besides Frankie Smokes. Only cornballs call him Frankie Smokes. All those nicotine, yeah. all them things are corny. Uh, I, I don't have a, uh, a definitive one, but it's just, uh, just the not one I, I I like the Sultan of Swipe. The salt and the swipe. Who, who, did you just make that up right now? Nah, I made that up a while ago. But I like okay, it. okay, but you still made it up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone has ever called him the salt and the swipe. Yeah, whatsoever. but that's because they think nicotine and smoking is cool, and that's hilarious. Ha <laughs> ha. Frank, Frank <laughs> smokes. <laughs> I really got you with that. One. That's the best nickname of all time. Oh man. All right. I think I think just calling him Frank works. Yeah, just call him Frank. Everybody knows who you're talking about. <laughs> it's not like everybody what do you knows. Think you're about Frank Jackson? Like, come on now. No. no. Or Frank Thomas? Like summer no. league MVP Frank Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he uh he he averaged thirty points in the uh, summer league. Do you think he's gonna be a thirty point scorer in the league? Yes. Yeah, so do I. I think so too. So, uh, Noel asked us a question. What would be your ideal lineup surrounding Kevin Knox and help make him... What? Wait, what? We're building lineups around Kevin Knox now? Yeah, ideal lineup for Kevin Knox. Okay, I got one. Uh, A point guard, I want Uh Steph Curry. Okay. Shooting guard, I want prime Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Power forward, let's say... Do we want Dirk? Do we want to stretch the floor out a little bit, maybe? Uh, We were going all-time, guys. I don't know, because I don't know what the fuck kind of lineup I can build around Kevin Knox right now. Uh, can, can we yeah, can we, can we say that we want to qualify this as Kevin Knox, his 
ideal lineup starts at being on the bench, first of all. <laughs> Coming off the bench, I want Knox surrounded by somebody who can handle the ball so that he doesn't have to, somebody that can shoot. Two guys that, that he doesn't have to. Okay, two, two, two ball handlers and two shooters around him and four people that can play a lot of defense. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think you need... I think you need... Like, ideally, look, long-term, I think ideally, Knox should be trying to be like our Shard Lewis type of scoring forward, that kind of stretch forward. Um, and, you know, don't get it twisted. Rashard Lewis was actually quite nice at one point. Yeah. I think he even he made a couple All-Star teams, didn't he? Yeah, uh, he did. At least yeah. one. Yeah, like, I think that would be a great outcome for him. Uh, so that would be the archetype player I, I would be trying to get him for. Yeah, so he averaged... He got two. He got one in Orlando, and he made one in Seattle. And like, look, he had a little three-year run where he was averaging, let's see, twenty-one, six boards, two assists, one steal, point seven blocks. Like, if I told you that's what peak Knox would be doing, would you take that? And yeah, it, that's that's fine. That's great. Yeah, definitely. He was and great. on great percentages. If I yeah, recall. he was forty-six. He was forty-six. 39, 81. I, I, mean, I, I don't even I think, think it's true. impossible that he'll get there. I think he could get there. But, like, you, you're not trying to build your, your lineup around Rashad Lewis and vice versa, and to that end, Kevin Knox. I mean, I think he could be a good player. I don't even think he's as bad as, you know, the outlier worst season of all time or whatever the hell people put on him and they put it on Frank, too. Like, it, well, I was the one who put it on Kevin Knox because I did the whole article thing on it. So that was that was a me thing with the whole Knox having the always worst. Always read yeah. Doug. Yeah, always read, yeah. always read Doug when you get a chance. Like you should read my article on Julius Randall that's out right now on postingandtoasting.com, the greatest Knicks blog in the multiverse. Yeah, you should also read my article that I personally wrote. Uh, called Breaking Down R.J. Barrett's Summer League Offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Stinchy did a great job on that article, so definitely go that read I wrote, that right I now. I personally wrote by, with my own two hands. Okay. On, his, uh, on his typer. Mm-hmm, on my typer. I All found right. my typer, I typed it. <laughs> All right, our, our next question is from Max Marin, and he has, like a, he has about like five questions within this uh, tweet. So I'm just going to read the whole thing. Among the crew, who is the best at basketball and who holds the FIBA championship trophy? Also, what would it take to convince you to take on either John Walls or Chris Paul's contract via trade? Um, I'll just say I'm not, I don't want Chris Paul or John Wall. Um, I would need an amnesty clause. Yeah, I would definitely need an amnesty clause because I don't want them on the, I wouldn't trade anything um, pretty much because they're, because John Wall's injured. You don't know what he's going to be. And Chris Paul, um, also isn't good. Um, I don't even know who holds the FIBA trophy. I guess uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona. I don't fucking know. Any of you guys know? What if, what if they gave What if they gave you Shea Gilgis Alexander and two first? Oh, games? oh, two Shea Gilgis. You mean future MVP Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's the best player in this past draft? No, that's not what I mean. Oh, I mean, I don't know who that is though. No. I only know that Shea Gilgis Alexander. No, I'm just uh, trying. I think that there's there's a price I would take Chris Paul's contract. 
Like, yeah, there, there's a price. I mean, also, you, you consider Paul's contract runs out a year in front of uh, Westbrook's contract. So, like, you know, that's nice, I suppose. Also, if the Knicks are just terrible for two years, I would assume he might be like, you know, uh, I'm going to decline my player option. Uh, th- there's a way to do this, uh, but I think it just messes up the timeline that clearly they've committed to. Yeah, I don't see why they would do it, but I guess if you were like, yeah, give us Peyton, give us Portis, and give us Ellington, and I don't know what the hell is Chris Paul making thirty-eight million, and like whatever, whatever expiring contracts we have to like kind of make that happen, and if they do that, give you like Shane Gilders Alexander and a pick or two, sure, then you do it, but I don't think that they would, I don't think they want to give up. They, they're not going to give up assets to get off Paul. Uh, and yeah, so no, I don't see that. There's, there's just no reasonable deal to be made there. Uh, John Wall, just fucking no, absolutely not. Nothing they could offer would even be... Bradley Beal. No, what, what am I? That's doing? not oh, happening, man. But even then, like, even if they do that, what? I, I think, oh yeah, it, would like, just, it, it doesn't make sense either way. I'm just saying, like, that would be like gotta, the best thing they could offer would be Beal, and like, but, even then, you're just like, yeah, no, sorry, it's okay. We, we just saw what. Like, we've seen the best of John Wall, probably, most likely, almost. Um, and we saw what him and Beal did together, and it was like a second-round exit once to the Celtics with Isaiah Thomas. That was their ceiling. You know, that's their ceiling, a second-round exit. So why would you make – like, I can understand if they had made it to a finals or a conference finals and – Okay, maybe then you can talk me into that risk, but second round exit, man, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not here for that. That's stupid. I agree with you on that. And who's the best of us that plays basketball? I definitely know it's not Alex, it's not Whack, and it's not James. It's, me. it's definitely not me. It's definitely not me. It's, it's me. It's probably Stink. Yeah, it's probably me. Stink. Yeah, I would definitely go with. Uh, with John, who would be number two? Me. Maybe Dylan. No, it's just me. Maybe Dylan. Oh uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe Dylan. And then who would be three? Probably Matt Weiss. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely not Alex Cabot. He's definitely not A- alumni. Matt Weiss. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. I would say it would be me as third. No. No shot. Oh, definitely. I definitely would say No it. chance. You're the third. Chiniqua. Yeah, maybe Chiniqua. That's a good pick. But no, I still think it's me. I'm definitely better than Alex. I'm definitely better than Schwinn. And I'm definitely better than Zach. Oh, maybe I got, Professor. I got, oh, yeah, maybe on Professor. Yeah. I, I, got, I got one question I want to ask for you. Okay. Not fair. Or not me, but one question I got, I got sent. Okay. This is from... At one crunch dad. The Nets. That's a good name. Yeah, it's a really good name. The Nets. The 2020s version of the 2010 Knicks with no flavor. True or false? They have that huge rotating shawarma statue outside of their stadium, so there's (laughs) got to be some type of flavor there. That's why. No, I don't don't think so. I mean, even then, I don't even think shawarma could save the Nets. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Like, how good does the shawarma have to be in order to make the net tasty? You need I mean, a lot of white sauce, hot sauce, a lot of it. 
Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, need, they need a lot of white sauce, definitely. We do have one question. We have one more, I think. It's about uh, it's about David Fisdale from our, our big friend of the show, Don Bolo. Shout out to Don. <laughs> <laughs> he asked... Uh, a man, his, Don. <laughs> angry out there on Twitter. Yeah, Don's always angry. We love his... Uh, we love his anger. He, yeah, says, it, uh... he says, does Pissdale get a pass this season <laughs> yet again <laughs> because of the youngins versus one-year guys encore? I like to believe you can lose games while still having some uh, semblance of a coaching structure. Didn't notice any principles on offense or defense endorsed last year. Um, Don kind of has a point about Pissdale. Was, was that a question or was that just like him talking about how much he hates Fisdale? Probably both. It's, I think it's probably both. I mean, I mean, when you call him, when you call him Pistale, I mean, Pistale's good, good, man. Pistale's yeah. pretty good. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to use that if he still stinks. Um, I do think there was some semblance of a coaching structure, but the structure is more of like an ideological principle of like getting to the line and attacking the rim. Um, I know that's not. I know that's not what people like to hear because they want to hear like you know, passing and different like off ball actions and shit like that, but. The Nets identity, the Knicks identity, not the Nets. The uh, the Knicks identity is mainly, you know, getting to the rim. Um, on defense, I mean, I don't know. They'll probably switch a lot more again uh, this year because they just have a lot of like big guys, and they're just gonna like probably. They, just switch they more started more. switching more last year once the trade, like once they made the Porzingis trade. I think they felt a lot more comfortable switching, or maybe they just decided to go all into whatever Fizzo wants to do. But I know he switched a lot in Memphis too. Uh, obviously, yeah, I, he was in Miami, and like, and they switched a lot. Yeah, I mean, they were one of the first teams, right? They were one of the first teams that was like all switching all the time, especially down the end of games. Uh, it was like, you know, when they went Bosch at the five, they switched everything. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll see a lot of that. And then offensively, this is just my theory. I know I, on on PNT in the comments, there's been a lot of talk about like maybe the front office forced Mike Miller onto his staff, and I. I don't know if I agree with that. I think, I think. Fizdale, I mean, I think Mike Miller is a good coach, and they're probably like, "Hey, let's add a good coach to the staff." And Fizdale yeah, but, like, but yeah, I sure. Yeah, no, especially I, for a team that needs to develop so many young guys. I'm just saying. I think like if Fizdale, I think Fizdale, if he didn't want Mike Miller on his staff, he wouldn't be on his staff. Yeah, like, I agree. I, I don't think he was forced on him. I think maybe they came to him and were like, "Hey, look, look, we think this guy could help you." But even if like even if he was cool with that, or if he did it himself, like that shows some awareness on his own, like of his own shortcomings, and like him being like, okay, look, yeah, the offense wasn't where it needs to be, and it should be better. Uh, but like in general, for me, and this is maybe just a me thing, and I, I wasn't David Fizdale's or David Pistale's yeah, uh, biggest fan. I wasn't his biggest fan. I was pretty critical of him a lot of times, but I also think that like. People really underestimate how hard it is to get guys into positions and run an effective offense without a competent point guard. And the Knicks did not have a competent point guard last year. Like, as we can sit here and bitch about him not playing Frank because, uh, you know, the defense with Frank was better and that gave us a better chance of winning. And this guy, some guys shot better with him and all, all that. We can talk about that all day, but you cannot actually sit there and tell me. Frank was any good as a point guard because uh, he wasn't. And Moutier, thank you know, have fun in Utah, buddy. Thank you. Uh, and then who the hell and Burke, like the guy's not even signed yet. Um, you know, our best point guard last year was Kadeem Allen, right? Like, yeah. if you don't have a fucking point guard, 
it is so hard in this league to run an offense and for that offense to look good. It really, it's, it's there. I know people will tell me all the fucking time. Oh, you know, the Nets did, they, they had established their offense before they got talent and the six. And like, yeah. Okay. Now go back and watch those. Tell, please go back and watch those games and tell me if you think whatever they were running was good. It was not good. It, it yeah, just, the Nets offense was chucking up threes. Like that yeah. was the Nets offense. Like it wasn't really anything until this year where there's a little more structure when like Russell decided to be like, oh, I need to like run things a little more. And then when yeah, LeVert was there, Russell he was like a secondary better. guy. Right. He got better. Like it's really that simple. Russell became like at least like he was an average starting point at least this year. Um, maybe he becomes more. I, I know that he made an all-star team this year, but I'm sorry if I don't think he's an above average starter at this point. Um, but yeah, like I just I, I I tend to think that every coach that doesn't have a starting point guard, like it's very hard. It's really really hard, um, and to, that that doesn't excuse everything we saw. But I do understand some of it, and I'll be more I'll I'll, I'll be less inclined to give him that pass if the same thing happens this year. All right, um, Tenji, you got anything else to add? No, man, I I think get a new pair of glasses. Okay. Who who should get the new pair of glasses? You? Pisdale? Yeah, Pisdale. Oh, Pisdale. Yeah, did, didn't his glasses crack last year? I don't did know. Well, that, that whole wood paneling, that shit's corny, man. Don't do that. Yeah, what if it's... Uh, yeah, get some Pisdales. You, you'll be good, man. Everybody will love he you. Should hit up, he should hit up Zach for glasses. Zach has great style. <laughs> go to, go to Moscots. They'll figure you out. All right, um, guys, do you have anything to plug at all? This is this is the end of the show, so it's a time to plug stuff. Yeah, please read my article that I wrote that I typed on my typer called "Breaking Down RJ Barrett's <laughs> Offense." Uh, I have I have nothing. I'm in a I'm in a writing funk, but I'm gonna. Pop one out soon. Pop it out. Pop, pop, pop. Pop, pop. Um, let's see. Do I have anything to plug? Um, I'm reading Gideon Falls right now. That they, no, one, uh, no one cares about what you're reading, Doug. Everyone, all 89 followers of the PNT podcast, so 92 followers of this podcast, absolutely care what I'm reading about. And they're going to oh. ask me when I say, oh, I'm reading Gideon Falls, they're going to be like, oh, what's that about? And I'm going to get like thousands of notifications when this uh, I, I, I actually release. I actually do have something to plug uh, follow stingy at I though. oh yes yeah I though we're trying to yeah. get up his follower account it's really big this, this is, is the year this is the year at I I though a I G H T T H O yeah it has to be 666 followers though like if you're the 666 seventh one Unfollow him. Sorry, you're not allowed to. Oh, you don't even have to. I'll I'll block you and you'll be done. Yeah, like just so you guys know, like you could go for it, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah, so just keep that in mind. So please go follow him. We need to get that six 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 mark. And that's it, guys. See ya.